Welcome to Make It Count, Living a Legacy Life, where we invest in what matters, people, and God. I'm Sue Donaldson, speaker, author, and creator of WelcomeHeart.com, which invites you to know and show the welcoming heart of God. We all long for a life that matters, to give ourselves away for the next generation, to invest in things that will outlive us, and as my pastor said recently, to age intentionally and strategically. No matter what age we are, we are all growing older. There's no stopping that train. We want to grow something besides old. Thank you for joining me today at Make It Count, Living a Legacy Life. Hello, I'm so excited today to introduce you to my friend Amber Leah. Amber, I met, uh, I don't even know what year it was. Uh, it's been about eight years, eight I think. Years. Okay, she and her husband and family lived in San Luis Obispo for a couple of years, I think. And I think I took you a new mama meal or when you were sick or something. That's oh, funny. yeah, you did lots of things for <laughs> me, too. <laughs> but what I, uh, I remember meeting you in Bible study. I, I, I'm kind of a new face magnet. And when I didn't know you, I wanted to know you. And when I found out that you used to be an English high school teacher, I immediately fell in love with you because that's what I used to do, too. So, uh, Amber, you now live with your family and now have four boys and you live in Southern California. Can you tell me a little bit about your ministry and your family? Yes. So we, I am born and raised Southern Californian and my boys are, uh, I think they are fourth or fifth generation Los Angeles. And our time in San Luis Obispo was a really sweet time, instrumental time, providential time. And you invited us also to every holiday, which oh. <laughs> I know we spent at least one Easter and maybe yeah. Thanksgiving with you um, as well. So that was a special time. And our third son, Oakley. So I have Oliver, who my firstborn. He is almost 13. Wow. My son, Quinn, is just turned 10. My son, Oakley, just turned eight. And Quaid just turned three. Oakley was born in San Luis Obispo, my eight-year-old. So... That was a really um, special, you know, time for us to be able to have one of our boys born there, born there on the Central Coast. So we're living in Los Angeles. My husband and I are faith and family friendly uh, producers. We produce content and TV and film, and we also write books. And we uh, love hosting things like you do, Sue. You're such a good example of that to us. But we also love having people in our home as often as we can. My husband has a a ministry to men in the entertainment industry where we open our home up once or twice, um, you know, once a month or every other month, depending on our schedules. And we have a big fire pit in the backyard and they all come and I make a big feast and there's like 20 to 30 men that come and I feed them dinner and dessert and they um, just rely on each other and pray for each other. It's a beautiful thing. So are they Christian men in entertainment? Yes, mostly, mostly. what What an outreach. It is because it's a lonely industry and it's a bit of a stigma to be a believer in Hollywood. And so we need each other. We need to be iron sharpening iron. We need to know we're not the only ones and we need to be praying for each other. So um, I was proud of my husband because this is like you, Sue. This is something that you talk about is that, um, you know, he he was longing for those connections and friends and could not find them anywhere. And so finally we just said, you know what? Let's just do it ourselves. So you start huh. reaching out and I'll make dinner. <laughs> Excellent. And here we are. Yeah. Wow. Fabulous. Wow. He could write a book about that. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you today about making your life count. Uh, you already have just with four boys, but yeah, um, that's not just having babies is our legacy. It's what we do once we're a mother and what we do with uh, the fact that we're following Jesus. How, how do you particularly 
feel your legacy is going and what you what do you really enjoy passing on not only to your immediate family but to really the world since you are a speaker and a writer well when i my first job my first career was being a teacher as you mentioned high mm -hmm. school english teacher and i loved that and i felt like that was my legacy you know that i was simply using the things that i loved literature writing and teaching and trying to love my students and breathe life into them and help them progress educationally as well. And so I felt like that was my legacy. And I think the beautiful thing that God has taught me is that our legacies, they kind of change over time or, or we have more than one legacy to leave and with more than one group of people, depending on the season of our lives. And that has been a really special thing for me to realize that that I felt like was my legacy at that time and having an impact. But now as a mom, even the books that I write, they're all things that are my personal journey because I write nonfiction. I write about my journey uh, as an angry mom, as a recovering angry mom. I write about, you know, issues in my marriage that were challenged, things that a lot of other people struggle with. And so those books really are also, I think, a part of my legacy, not just for readers, but really for my family, for my kids. I want them to long after I'm gone, be able to read those books and say, this is what, this is what God did in my mom's life. Hmm. This is how he redeemed her sinfulness. This is how he grew her. And there's hope for me beyond, um, you know, this moment. I can see the life of my mom played out in these books even and how God helped her. And so for hmm. me, that's just a gift that God's allowed me to be able to write books and leave that as part of my legacy for my kids, not just my readers. A um, couple things I thought of when you were talking so eloquently. One is, is that I think it's important for us to realize that there are different leg legacies for different seasons. Uh, just paint that picture a little bit broader for me. Sure. Well, you know, if we look at scripture, all through scripture, people would be living their lives happily nurturing and guiding sheep <laughs> or <laughs> whatever the case may be. And then all of a sudden, God presents them with an opportunity to face giants, right? Mm -hmm. And so we think sometimes the trajectory of our lives is in one direction, and then the unexpected happens. Mm -hmm. And I think all of us can relate to that. And we certainly do see it all through scripture. And so we have different opportunities in our lives based, I think, often on our circumstances where we get to a point where we have, there's a fork in the road and we get to make a decision where we can either, um, you know, be buckled by that opportunity or afraid of that opportunity or even discouraged by that circumstance. And we can fall apart and, and maybe not leave that legacy that God is wanting us to leave for the world around us. Because the, the bottom line is we're all meant to be a light. Mm -hmm. Every circumstance, every opportunity, every season of our lives is an opportunity for us to be more like Christ and to be a light for him. And so it, I've learned that these, I've, my life has never ended up or turned out like I thought it would mm -hmm. almost in any area of my life. I mean, the fact that I'm a boy mom, you know, I, I yeah. call it a testosterone home. I thought I would have at least a couple girls and uh, I'm the only girl. And I love that. But that has also been part of what God's used to shape me. So that season of teaching, 
there was a certain legacy there. Um, my circumstances now as a boy mom, you know, there are different things that the Lord is bringing me through, different opportunities for me to breathe life into my boys. Um, and and to, can you give me a, an example of one thing that you hope that you pass on to your boy as a boy mom? Yes. Um, one of the things that I hope my boys learn is that you can change your mind about things. Mm. Being a boy mom has helped me to change my mind about what I thought a good mom looked like and what she would do and how we should live our lives. I love peace and quiet and organization and clean cleanliness. It is a constant battle as a boy mom to have any measure of peace and quiet or to keep our house clean, <laughs> even though I teach and train them all the time. It's a constant battle. And so I used to think if I, you know, those moms who, you know, before I had kids, they didn't have it. Just, <laughs> oh, I mean, I was pretty judgmental, I have to admit. And now I've learned I can change my mind about how things should look and how they should be. And God has softened me <laughs> and worked I in my life. I think so. we, every honest mother could write a book starting with that line before I had kids. Yes, it's so true. <laughs> I was, uh, uh, we tend to be judgmental over things we've never experienced. That's right. And I think that will be a legacy that you give other moms to give them the permission yes. to um, change their minds. So what did you mean right. like having the boys change their minds about being clean or about if they have an angry response or what? Yeah, what? I mean, just even even ideas about the Bible, you know, it's like we we may think that it's really, really important that, you know, women are, you know, always wearing skirts, you know, to church, you know, that there's a proper dress, you know, they have to wear things a certain way in order for it to be acceptable. And then you may, a few years down the road, find yourself at a church where the women wear jeans, and you just, it's okay for you to maybe change your mind about some of these gray areas of things, even about the Bible, you know, that we don't have to, we need to be open-minded to what God would have for us and not be legalistic about things. You know, mm -hmm. we can change our minds, whether it's about um, a, an issue that we think about spiritually or how our homes should look after we have kids, you know, just to be humble enough. And I think that's the root of it with my kids is I want them to learn humility mm -hmm. so that they don't feel like they have everything figured out or that they have to have everything figured out mm -hmm. and stay in that lane. We need to be open to what God is teaching us. I think at all times in every situation. I love the idea that you brought in the attribute of humility into, um, changing your mind because it's almost like when we're not willing to change our mind, it's a pride thing that I'm yeah. right. This is the way we've always done it. And um, it's not what God wants. He wants us to be humble before him. And I, I like to say recently, I've been thinking that flexibility is close to godliness more than cleanliness. You know, I <laughs> yeah. think it was Benjamin Franklin and poor Richard's album said yep. cleanliness is next to godliness. And people right. think that's in the Bible, which thankfully it's not, it's not. <laughs> but uh, flexibility is very close to godliness and it takes humility to admit that you're wrong which yes. leads me into um i want us to talk a little bit about, about your latest book that's coming out this week um or the end of january and uh just tell us how you came about why you decided to write it and tell us the title first well i didn't want to ah, <laughs> i can see that. why <laughs> um it's called marriage triggers exchanging spouses angry reactions for gentle biblical responses and I didn't want to write it because it's not really, to me, my heart's desire is to write the next American novel, you know, the great American novel, because that's my background with, as a literature teacher. And the Lord has me doing these other things. <laughs> but I really try to just write what God is placing on my heart. And after I wrote 
a parenting triggers book that resonated so deeply that I kept hearing from readers saying, I really am applying a lot of this to my marriage, but I wow. really need a marriage triggers book. Hmm. And so that started, um, just affirming what I, the Lord, a seed that the Lord had already planted in my heart about possibly writing marriage triggers. And my husband and I had a very difficult relationship early on, and we've had seasons of great um, testing and trials. And yet he is my best friend and I'm his best friend. We love each other deeply and we're committed till death do us part, but it's not been easy. And a lot of the marriage books that I read were really idealistic as far as just giving me lots of lofty ideals about how our marriage should be and what it should look like biblically. And I loved that and I cherished that, but I did not know what to do when I'd get in the car with my husband and I would start becoming a backseat driver and we'd get in an argument on the way to church. Right. I, 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 could, I had a hard time translating those lofty ideals and those Bible verses to that moment. Let, me, so, uh, let yeah. me share this line uh, from your book. It's, mm -hmm. it's from the introduction that bless me and I th think will resonate with many. Husbands and wives all over the world are waking to a new day and as soon as it registers mentally that they are awake, the gloom of their strained relationship fills their hearts. Yeah. That's a sad commentary, but I think it's a true commentary. It's like yeah. they wish they could keep sleeping because that was the fairy tale that Disney movies promised. Yeah, the the burdens all come come crashing in as soon as right. they wake up, and I, right. I know because that's how I felt at times, and I hear from readers over and over again. And I've spent couple years researching for this book and talking to hundreds of couples and hearing their stories, much less just all the letters I get from people who are broken and hurting. Mm -hmm. And you know, this book is for the people, the, per, the couple whose marriage is pretty good, but they just have these little foxes in their fields that cause disruption and, and prevent their marriage from being the best that I think God would desire it to be. But it's also for those people who really feel pretty hopeless. And I think the other lie that a lot of us think and that Satan has fed to us is that it's so heavy and so complicated and you can't control anybody else. And so there's no hope right. and it's never going to change. Mm -hmm. And that's just a lie. Um, there's a lot that God can do in our relationships, especially if we begin to focus on what God wants us to do individually and the impact that will have then on our spouse and our marriage relationship. So these 31 chapters are, um, 31 common triggers, you know, things like backseat driving, things like broken communication, things like just when you're really exhausted or your schedule's too busy. We give really practical biblical insight into how to handle those things on a day-to-day -day basis that's really going to transform your marriage. I think that it was brave of you and vulnerable for you to share from your personal experience, but you know, you and I know that that's where people grow the most when they hear us being honest with yeah. our struggles because we all have them. Um, I want to just list off some of the triggers that you, that you cover. There's so many backseat driving is a good one. Um, finances, in-laws, sex, too busy. I guess too busy and sex could go together. Yeah, uh, they do. Tiredness, uh, parenting differently. Wow, that's that was so different from because there's two family, different families of origin. As a that's right, therapist likes to tell us that that's yes. really the hardest thing bringing to it is mm -hmm. a lack of spiritual leadership or a lack of perceived spiritual leadership. That was a great chapter. Yeah, uh, when you don't feel loved, uh, you know, it's just how you feel sometimes. And that's legit. Yeah, um, that you're no longer friends or that you feel misunderstood, not to yeah. leave our listeners today with uh, a sad ending. But those are topics that all of us go through. And I love it that you address it and you address it vulnerably, but also with scripture. 
Yeah, it's critically important that whatever wisdom that God gives us, it, it has to be founded in scripture itself. And so every chapter, it, everything that we pray at the end of every chapter is rooted in scripture so that we can really take it to heart because that is what is going to really do the heart transformation. And just to circle back to what we talked about in the beginning, Sue, as far as our legacy is concerned, um, this is an incredible legacy to leave the world. When, when we have a, a vulnerable, difficult trial you know, in our marriage and we seek to do what is right ourselves and to respond biblically regardless of what our spouse is saying or doing, um, we are leaving a legacy for the world, for everybody that sees us because we begin to become more like Christ and we look more like Christ. And that affects everyone we encounter. So this is all part of us leaving a legacy is the more that we become like Christ, we can't help but leave a legacy. Mm-hmm. We don't even have to try. Mm-hmm. It's just a natural um, outpouring mm-hmm. of, of our spiritual growth. And mm-hmm. I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Okay. I think we're going to have to do a part two with you, Amber. You have so much to share. And if uh, any of you want to uh, have Amber come and speak to your women's group or a retreat or a mops group, I'm going to leave her um, links to social media and how you can contact her in the show notes. And uh, is there one last bit of wisdom that you would like to leave our audience? Well, I would just say, um, you know, one thing that I've really been thinking a lot about recently is the idea of comparing ourselves to others. And Mm. when you think about a legacy, you think, well, how can I leave a legacy? I'm just little old me in my corner of the world. And I want to encourage um, us to really leave the legacy building in the Lord's hands and to take one day at a time and really focusing on what does the Lord want for me today? And that doesn't look like anything grandiose most of the time. Most of the time it looks like letting somebody go in front of you in line at the grocery store. Mm -hmm. It looks like being calm and patient as a defensive driver on the road. It means not getting quick to anger when someone honks at you, but saying, Lord, would you just bless that person today, whatever their needs are. And so one by one, by those little everyday practical things, we are leaving a legacy. And certainly for most of your listeners that have you know, family or kids or a spouse, you've got someone in your world, you're impacting that one person. And Jesus would have died for one person. So Mm. even if you think your reach is not very far, if it affects one person, then you have left a a strong legacy indeed. Amen. Thank you so much. It reminds me of Donna Jeffrey telling me one time that we live for an audience of one. And so we do it for Jesus. And then he points us to the next person who may need to hear the message that he's given us. Well, thank you so much today. We had Amber Leah with us. And I hope that you buy her book and read it and then pass it on to someone else. I think it will be such a blessing. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sue. You're my favorite. (laughs) Oh, you're so sweet. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Until next time, think about your legacy the one God has called you to live, all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming.